This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. I'm a grandparent. Um, And just for those of you who are not fully aware of this, I'm getting older. I'm getting a little tired of seeing videos about old people who can't do anything. And especially with today's modern technology, we just seem so at loss. We just don't know what we're doing. And over and over and over we see videos about these poor grandparents who just don't seem to fit in anymore. I found one this week. That's for grandparents. And uh, the younger generation doesn't know it all. So take just a moment and watch this. This is about four minutes long, so just watch this. <laughs> now, some of you found that funny. Some of you may not have found it so funny. Um, doesn't it make you, those of you who know what you're doing, doesn't it make you feel just a little bit superior right now? <laughs> like, what's with these kids that don't know how to do this? But as I thought about that, I, I thought of this too. Just think of this. You and I have mastered a technology that nobody uses anymore. You're smart at something that nobody does. So does that make you feel superior? It's like, can you imagine getting on a cruise ship and um, the captain announces that he's using his sextant to find the way, he's gonna use the stars, I mean, right, GPS? Using old technology does not make us better. Um, Anyway, that was just for fun. Uh, That really doesn't have much to say about my sermon at all. Uh, I just wanted to have a little laugh. Um, This does have something to say about my sermon. Um, This is a Jeopardy question. And um, like in in Jeopardy questions... um, There's a category. The category is famous speeches or quotes. And uh, there's a statement, so some of you will figure this out pretty quickly. Some of you may not. Watch this. Figure it out nice and loud? I can't hear you. No? Those are the first audible words spoken on a telephone by Alexander Graham Bell. The first sentence ever spoken and heard on a telephone by Alexander Graham Bell. I mean, we, we want to be heard, right? It's not enough to speak into the phone. You want to hear what's being said. Um, the next slide, if you can imagine, it was 2002 that this guy started appearing on television commercials all over the place with his tagline, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? How many have ever said that on a cell phone?
Can you hear me now? How many have ever said that between Barhead and Highway uh, 43 in the hills? You know? Can you hear? Oh, they're gone. Can you hear me now? Are you there? Can you hear me now? What good is it to speak on a telephone if nobody can hear you? Likewise, it may be one of the reasons why we don't pray as much as we should. Last week we said sometimes people don't pray because we don't believe we need to pray. Sometimes we don't pray because we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we, we, we pray because we don't believe God answers. Another reason why we sometimes don't pray as much as we should is perhaps because we wonder whether anybody's ever hearing us, whether anybody's ever at the end of the line. Does God really hear us when we pray? Uh, does God really take note of the things that we say? Um, and especially when it seems like our prayer goes unanswered, did God really hear us? Um, so while getting ready for Christmas this year and reading over some of the Christmas stories, I came across this one verse of scripture that we actually talked about a few weeks ago. It comes from Luke chapter 1, and it says, The angel said to him, Zechariah, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now, Zechariah is an old man. The prayer that they're talking about is a prayer to have a child. Him and Elizabeth want to have children, and they've got no children. And the years have passed by, and they're now both described as being very old. And obviously, the most people would say, well, God either never heard your prayer or he never paid any attention to your prayer. And so here one day is this old priest in the temple doing his thing. When God says to him, he sends an angel and says, Hey, Zachariah, your prayer's been heard. I just want you to know, your prayer's been heard. And in fact, it's going to be answered. In nine months, you're going to be having a baby. It's like, what? I'm sure Zachariah long ago forgot that prayer. Have you ever prayed prayers that you've forgotten? Long ago? You pray for things and they never happen. You just kind of forget them. Obviously, God doesn't care about them. I'm sure Zachariah must have wondered about his prayer being heard. And uh, as I began to uh, think about that, I started to look up some other scriptures. This one comes from Exodus chapter 2. It says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help um, was heard, uh, cried for help because of slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning, it says in one uh, translation. God heard them in their prayer. Now, you need to take note of this. The Israelites had been slaves in, in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years. It might be easy to think God's not listening to their prayer. It might be easy to assume God never heard them. God is not paying attention. God really doesn't care about the situation they find themselves here. In 400 years is a long time. One year is a long time, isn't it, for some of us who prayed for one year for something that hasn't happened? That's a long time. Think of 400 years, generations coming and going, and still the situation remains the same. Nothing's changed. I'm sure they must have thought God's not listening God's not paying any attention. So I began to look over the scriptures and I began to see over and over and over times where God reassures his people that he's actually listening. 
he actually hears their prayer because sometimes we begin to wonder. And so Psalm 34 and verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. In the book of Acts chapter 10, uh, we read the story about Cornelius and it says, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before Cornelius and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Now, Cornelius is an interesting story. He's a Gentile. He's a Roman soldier. He was a despised person. When he walked down the street, the native Israelites, the Jewish people, would have despised him. They would have hated him. He was the, the, the master, the Lord that oversaw everything. They would have hated He represented the government and they hated everything that the empire stood for. And yet the Bible says God heard the prayer of Cornelius. Do you think God listens to the prayers of people you don't like? Let me ask that again. Do you think God listens to the prayers of people you don't like? Some of you aren't so sure, but he listened to this Roman centurion. Your prayers have been heard. And it so affected Peter, the apostle, because Peter didn't even think God was listening to the Roman prayers. And so he says later in the same chapter, this is what he says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Sometimes I think we believe in a God who likes us and people like us, but not people who are not like us. Does that make sense? Sometimes I think, based on things I read, how angry we are, how bitter we are, against people who are Muslim, against people who are different than us, live a different lifestyle than us, that God doesn't care about them, and God doesn't listen to them, and God doesn't pay any attention to their prayers. Well, Peter says, I just came to understand God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't answer your prayer more so than that prayer. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter whether you give a lot of money to the church. God doesn't show favoritism. He listens to the cry of the brokenhearted. He listens to the prayers of people who are serious and who are, who are, are concerned about whatever their needs are. He listens to their prayer. God listens to you. God hears you when you call. God hears you when you pray. That alone should give us reason to call out to God. Can I tell you one familiar story in the Bible? Most of you know it. As soon as I say the name, you'll know it. Um, it's the story of Samson. Um, Samson, as you know, was chosen by God from birth to be used by God in a powerful way. He was going to be a judge of Israel. He was going to free the Israelites. We, we know the story. Uh, he was given supernatural strength um, that wasn't, and we talk about this all the time, every time, when I look at for a picture of, of Samson online, every picture you ever see is some muscle-bound guy. I mean, he's got pecs. Look at that guy. He's got pecs and biceps. You, you look at him and think, man, that guy, if, if I was living in Samson's day, I wouldn't wonder why he was so strong. Look at him. He looks strong. I think Samson didn't look strong. 
That's why everybody kept wondering, why can he do those things? He probably looked a little bit like some of us. A little pudgy, muscles a little flabby, and yet he was tearing the gates of the city. He was destroying thousands of the enemy, and, and people kept saying, what is with this guy? How does he do this? And they kept searching and searching. What is the secret to his strength? And of course, they didn't understand that it was God. And they did everything they could. And, and listen, Samson was not a nice man. I'm just going to be blunt. We, 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 we overlooked the fact. He was a serial adulterer. I mean, he didn't just have one affair. He had multiple affairs over and over and over again. Um, he was unruly. Um, scripture gives indication of drunkenness at times. And Samson was not a nice guy. He wasn't your typical man of God. But he was used of God in a powerful way because he trusted the Lord. We only hear about Samson's spiritual life once. Only once do we ever read about Samson praying. And it was at the very end of his life. The one prayer that he prayed. You remember it? They had captured Samson. They had put out his eyes. And they had made him to be nothing much more than a donkey turning the grill the, 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 the grain that, that ground out the mill. That's all he did. Every day, his work was getting tied to something, a, a wooden stone, and just walking in circles day after day, day after day, grinding out the flour. He was blind. He was powerless. I somehow think he was a little bit embarrassed, too, don't you think? Maybe a little bit humiliated. This is the great man of God. This is a man of God who's won many battles, many victories. He has been victorious over many situations. And now here he is, he's left a blind, uh, nothing more than a donkey, turning the mill wheel. He's not, I'm, I'm sure there was a sense of humiliation. I have failed. I'm not the man that I was. I'm not the man that I should be. I'm left to do this. And it got even worse. One day when the Philistines were having a great celebration, somebody got the idea that they would bring in their old enemy, old Samson. Hey, let's, let's have some fun. Let's bring in old Samson. Remember how he used to fight us and used to win so many He can't do that anymore. Let's bring Samson in, and we'll bring him in, and we'll make fun of him. And so they brought Samson in, this old blind warrior who couldn't do anything anymore, who was basically useless, he was nothing, he was humiliated, and they began to make fun of him and make sport of him, the Bible says. And they set him between two pillars. And the only time that I read in Samson's life that he prayed, he prayed now. Lord, it says there in the scripture, um, Lord, listen to my prayer one more time. Just, sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more, once more, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Just once more. God, if you've never listened to me before, listen to me now. Just, just one answer to prayer, that's all I'm asking. And here's this old, blind, defeated, purposeless, old prophet of God old judge of Israel, 
who really now is not worth anything. But he can pray. God, just one more. Just listen to me one time. And the Bible says that he put his arms around the pillars that where he was standing beside, and he began to pull them in. And he pulled down the pillars that held up the roof of this massive auditorium. And the Bible says that more people died. Samson won his biggest victory of his life at his death. The biggest victory of his life came when he died. Isn't that amazing? The biggest victory came when he died. You see, God heard the prayer of a broken down old judge who was arrogant at one point, was proud, and now is reduced to nothing. He's reduced to nothing. Does that sound familiar to anybody here? Have you ever failed? Have you ever not been the person you thought you should be? Have you ever said things you shouldn't have said and felt embarrassed about it afterwards? Have you ever not done something you know you should have done it? You should have been more faithful. You should have been more this. You should have done that. Have you ever come to the place where you say to God, I, I can't even really pray to you, God, because I'm not worthy of praying to you. I'm not good enough. I fail too many times. I, 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 I'm not there. I can't do this. Well, you know, if God could listen to the prayer of Samson, he can listen to your prayer too. He'll hear you when you pray. You're never down so far. You're never so bad. I talk to people all the time. Marriages are falling apart. Well, I can't really pray. Why not? It's when we're down and out that we need to pray more. Well, I'm not feeling good. I, I really shouldn't come to church. No, that's when you need to come to church. That's when you need to call it to God. Remember the song we sang just before the message today? Faithful one, so unchanging. I call out to you again and again and again and again and again. And he hears me. That's because we serve a faithful God who's not basing his answers to our prayer on your goodness. But it's based on his faithfulness based on his faithfulness. Um, I'm not sure how this fits in, but I'm going to put it in anyway. Um, it's in my notes, it's in your notes, but it doesn't seem right, but I'm going to do it. Um, I think whenever we pray, we respond to our prayers in one of two ways. And it's really up to us to decide how we're going to respond. When we pray, one way that we respond is we pray and then we sit back and watch what God's going to do. We're going to see what God's going to do. Maybe he does something, maybe he does nothing. But we're going to sit back and watch. The second way that we respond to prayer is we pray and then we do something about our prayer. In other words, Using the story of Samson, he prayed, Oh God, remember me once more. Give me a great victory. But then the Bible says he pulled on the pillars. He did something about his prayer. He didn't just sit there and wait for God to do something. He actually did something. There's a verse in scripture from uh, Mark. I think it's Mark. Uh, 
Mark chapter 11, verse, we, we quote this all the time. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe it, you'll receive it, it'll be yours. And there's another passage of scripture that says, when you look to the mountain, you can say to this mountain, be thou cast in the sea, and it'll be done. You know, we pray that prayer lots. We, we read that scripture lots. I'm speaking to the mountain. I'm telling it to be cast in the sea. And nothing changes. Nothing happens. We're waiting for the mountain to move. And nothing happens. There are some times when, when nothing's happening, you've got to get a shovel. Just going to get a shovel out. I haven't been to Jasper lately in a while, a few months. Some big mountains there. And think of it. You can pray for a mountain to be removed and be cast in the sea and you can sit there and wait forever. It's not going to move. But you can get a shovel. And one scoop at a time. It may take you a lifetime. It may take you several lifetimes. But isn't that how we sometimes win our victories? Oh, we curse things that we see on TV, we curse, you know, things like abortion, we curse things, and we pray, oh, I want this to stop. I want this to stop. And we sit and wait for God to do something. And God's not doing anything. But there's people with shovels at the base of that mountain. And they're looking for somebody to just come along and say, why don't you come and help me? Because we're going to move this mountain. We're going to beat this thing. Some of you are facing physical challenges. Some of you are facing financial challenges. Some of you are facing spiritual challenges. And it takes wisdom to know there are times when you pray and you sit and wait for God to do something. And there's other times when you get out of shovel. Or you grab some pillars and you start pulling. It's time for you to sit and wait and it's also time for you to get busy and do something. Because God will help you move the mountain if you'll step up and begin. I don't know if that ministers to anybody today, where you're at. Maybe you're sitting waiting for something, God to do something. Maybe you're waiting for a loved one to be saved. Maybe you've waited for a long time. Maybe it's long enough. Maybe you need to invite them to church. Maybe you need to begin to pray for them on a daily basis. Maybe you need to do something else. God will give you wisdom what to do. But maybe it's time to do something. We just sang a song a few minutes ago. It said, Faithful One, So Unchanging. I call out to you again and again. So I'm going to ask you just for a moment as we wait in the presence of God, just for a second. Um, what is it that you've been praying for? Have you been waiting a long time and nothing's happened? What are you going to do? Are you going to keep waiting? Or are you going to find a shovel and start moving that mountain one scoopful at a time? Crazy story. Crazy story. I may have told it before, I can't remember, but crazy story. It's a story about Robert Schuler. Robert Schuler passed away now. He was a pastor for many years. Uh, Robert Schuller preached about possibility thinking and all this stuff and 
Uh, one day, uh, he was doing some landscaping in a, in a new house that they had bought, and they had to have a bunch of gravel moved to, into their backyard. And when the, the delivery guy came, he dumped this big mountain of gravel right at the foot of his driveway, right there. And there was nothing they could do. It was just, and the guy took off. And so in the morning, he comes out, and here's this pile of gravel. And so Schuler thinks, well, you know, it's not, I can be positive all I want, and I can pray all I want. It's not going to move by itself. And so he gets a shovel, and he starts loading up wheelbarrow. Loading up wheelbarrow. And he starts, he makes a couple, couple loads back and forth. And while he's uh, doing one of the loads, his neighbor comes out, ready to go to work that morning. And he says, uh, Pastor Schuler, what are you doing? And he says, you know, I've got to move this gravel to the back. Yeah, that's going to take you a long time. And, uh, you know, all your possibility thinking, we'll see how it goes. And, and so the guy went off to work, see, ya, see you. And uh, Robert Schuler started shoveling. And probably an hour after the shoveling, he, he was shoveling all this, a guy from his church happened to be working in that area with a front-end loader. And he drove down the street and said, Pastor Schuler, what are you doing? He said, well, I got to move this back to the back. I, I got I, I to take this gravel to the back. And he said, that's going to take you a long time. Yeah, I know. And he says, I can help you. And so with just two big scoops, he moved it all to the back. At noon hour, Pastor Schuler's neighbor comes by. And Pastor Schuler's just sweeping up the remainder. And the guy says, how did that happen? How could he do that so fast? And uh, you know what? Sometimes that's us. We're faced with mountains that seem impossible. And you can sit and wait or you can get out a shovel and start moving it. And you never know when you begin how God will send along help to multiply your efforts and make it go so much better. Are you facing a mountain right now? Are you facing a challenge, something you've been praying for, a family issue, a, a spiritual issue, something to do with a child or whatever? You don't even know how you're going to get an answer. I'm telling you, God has heard your prayer. God has heard God is even now working in your situation. Would you stand with me, please? For just a moment, just in the quietness, no music playing, just have your head bowed for just a moment. That one prayer that you've been crying out to God for, just take a moment and cry it out one more time. God, I need this. Just take a moment, wherever you are, whatever your prayer is. Last uh, Sunday morning, we spoke about Bartimaeus, the blind man, who, when he heard Jesus was passing by, 
He was so desperate that he called out to God and yelled out to God, Jesus, stop, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And all week long here in our church, at night we've been asking people to write down on a card what it is you're desperate about. What are you so desperate that if Jesus were walking down this aisle today, you would call out to God, Jesus, stop, I need your help right now. I need your help right now. And people have been writing down their desperate prayers. Uh, interesting, interesting thing about prayers of desperation. We usually in, we're usually polite in settings like this. We usually don't reveal our desperation. We, we're kind of nice and, yeah, I'd like God to do this. And we don't really want to get too desperate. We don't want to appear desperate before people. But I encourage you to write it down. Write down your prayer of desperation. And when you're not in church, but when you're in the car by yourself, when you're in the shower by yourself, should be by that, that doesn't make sense, does it? I'm stopping there, right there. When you're in the shower. And you're desperate. When nobody else is around, just call out to God. Just call out to God. God, I need this. I'm desperate for this. Um, after I preached last Sunday, somebody messaged me and said, I'm not desperate for anything because God helps me every day. And that's good. I, I, I understand that. I appreciate that. But if you read earlier today in the Psalms that we read, the psalmist says, I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. In other words, if you don't have a need, you don't have any crying need, you, are you desperate for the presence of God in your life? Des desperate to know God's anointing and blessing on your life? That's my prayer for you today. That you'd be desperate for him. Father, you've heard the prayers prayed in this place today like Zachariah of old, we can say our prayer has been heard. Like the Israelites of old, even after 400 years, our prayer has been heard. Like Samson, defeated, humiliated, weak, his prayer has been heard. You've heard the prayers that are prayed in this place today. And so we rejoice, we're grateful, we long to be in your presence, and we long to live in your presence every day. Hear the desperate cry of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week as you serve him.